Jeremy, Jeremy Weiss. Welcome, brother. Long time no see, man. I keep saying that. I don't know if that's gonna be my slogan or not, but fucking, well, I just keep the saying that slogan right now. Yeah, seriously. It's not, you know, it's not goodbye. It's just uh, until next time or some shit. Yeah. It's fucking yeah, crazy. How you been? Uh, the family's doing good during this process because I know it's it's definitely stressful for everybody. It's fucking crazy. I, I think it's important to uh, acknowledge it and talk about it. I've decided that. You know, it's not to say that we're all quote, you know, losing our minds, mm. but this is mad different, huh? Mm. This is really crazy. I'm glad there are people reaching out to connect mm-hmm. like yourself. I think it's super important. And I think it's important Thanks, that all of us continue to stay motivated and, and try to stay informed about the things that we're passionate about, not just, you know, Fox, CNN, and NB- MSNBC all day. Yeah, yeah, the opinions through those channels and outlets are just starting to really <laughs> grind my gears. It just gets after, it just gets annoying after a while. Um, yeah, and especially like with people in our industry, there's a lot of charity going on. Some bands are selling um, face masks, like My Chemical Romance is selling face masks do- and donating that for a fundraiser for this pandemic that's going on. Um, it's just everybody's trying to take part in like really taking care of, you know, this entire world itself so it's good everybody's like on the same page just trying to do their job yeah we're all in the same boat and we can't say that very often i mean mm-hmm. that that phrase is is overused mm-hmm. but we really are all in the same damn boat all over the damn world so i i think like i said it's it's just it's vital to I, my theory on national news which i'm usually a junkie politically and social justice issues but mm-hmm, sure. here this time around i'm like i think i'll get the memo if this is over no absolutely not and it's probably so quiet at your record store considering you're connected to the chameleon club in lancaster so it's probably so strange like hearing like the building actually breathe for once or something i tell you what uh, we'll get into how it's haunted on another discussion no shit really (laughs) oh that'll be a personal thing because then you're not going to make me want to come back at all man like i work lots of late nights there (laughs) did you was was chameleon club there when you started ci records and that that store like how did what like what was that how that happened like i'm so interested that's that's that i guess we'll jump right in man i was 15 years old i i um I, i went I asked my dad for a ride down to this guy's new club. It happened to have been a couple blocks away at the time. Mm-hmm. And this guy was really old. He was like 24. Um, but I, I walked <laughs> in and I had my little like uh, Wilson's leather jacket with a Chromex spray painted stencil on the back and fucked mm-hmm. up haircut. And I was like, uh, Hey, I need to uh, do a show here. And he was like, okay. And that was pretty much how I started doing shows. I mean, there was a period of time where uh, even the state of Pennsylvania had questions about all ages shows. So after I did that, uh, it was a band called Dag Nasty. It was members of Descendants and Minor Threat. Mm. I did that show and then I had to hop around some fire halls for a couple of years. And then I just ended up getting in a rhythm where I was pretty much booking at the Chameleon from age 15 until now as an independent third party promoter. Mm hmm. Yeah. yeah, that's still a thing. People playing at firehouses, people playing at churches. So I'm glad sure. we're able to do that. Um, and mm-hmm. I, I, the only thing I'm not a fan of, honestly, and I grew up in this time period. I'm sure you know what I'm going to be talking about, obviously. I don't know if your bands had to do that because you were a vocalist at one point. Um, but the ticket sales, man, like that just is brutal just to play shows. Yeah, I, I agree. I think there – I'd love to talk about that for a minute if you'd like. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Uh, I've been a promoter my whole life and – 
I recognize a band's necessity to draw. And I can say that from my own experience. So yes, uh, like most, you know, baseball coaches were failed players and most uh, (laughs) (laughs) managers and record label guys were in shitty bands. I was, and um, I would say, um, yeah, we sold out the chameleon a bunch when I was a late teenager and it was just all hustle and grit, just constantly, you know, trolling the malls, trolling study halls at high schools, you know, going on college campuses, trying to get somebody to pay seven bucks to come and see the band. Mm. It does get easier. The goal of that in the past was to prove to the club owner that you had value because you, you had to recognize to play a proper venue that, uh, you know, they had overhead and expenses and they could cover that with alcohol and even cover bands on a given night. Hmm. So you had to show and prove that you could draw a crowd that has gotten bastardized greatly um, over the last couple of decades. And I fully understand people's apprehension when, you know, some scumbag will be like, here, I need you to sell a hundred tickets at 20 bucks and I need the money up front and, you know, not. and things of that nature, or credit card on file. Now, I'll talk out of both sides of my mouth. I owned a, yeah. an all-ages venue in, in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania for 12 years called The Champ. It was dry, so it had no alcohol. Mm. And basically, we sold dollar water and dollar candy. Mm-hmm. And if you wanted that place to survive, um, you know, the overhead per month was around 3000 bucks. You guys in New Jersey will think that's amazing, right? <laughs> um, but it, it's, all, it's all relative to your local economy. But, yeah. you know in order to make that work and pay the bands and feed them and, and pay the, you know, the, the guy who cleaned the building, which was you know kind of like uh, more or less in service to him correct job. And then the sound guys and, and the, and the people running the doors and counters and stuff, you did need some kind of a commitment. And, mm-hmm. and, you know, these aren't the kinds of commitments we're talking about a hundred tickets to 20 bucks. I, I used to say, look, man, you know, if you can't draw 15 people, at eight or 10 bucks or, or whatever, it's cool. And it mm-hmm. does not mean you suck. Right. I just can't do it. Mm-hmm. Like, that's, that's the thing. Yeah. You know, if I can get three or four of you to draw 15, 20 people, we got a show. Mm-hmm. And as you get older, and I don't mean that in a condescending way to anybody, you'll come to realize the guy that was taking in 450 or 600 bucks at the door, giving you a small portion of that back was not taking advantage of anyone. He's just trying to keep the, the lights on especially in the underground scene like i don't want to like i don't listen if i'm playing a show and i'm like whether it's a say it's not there's no like good headliner it's like a good little show but i'm not worried about making the money like i'm worried like um i was just talking to andrew Wade as i told you earlier in the last stream and he said the house of blues down in florida they're doing this thing where you just get a dollar a ticket that you know you say you come to the door you say your name i'm here to see this band they get a dollar for that ticket that's great. Mm-hmm. I'd rather worry about that. I'd rather worry about playing a show where it's affordable. Um, if we do get some kind of income from it, it's from the merch or the sa- mm-hmm. the sales of what we have in general, like as of albums or whatever, because that's or vinyl, because vinyl is more of a thing than albums are, CDs are. Um, and to like really put on a good show and like try to express that. But like with like you know they try to, some of the promoters like. Well, you'll get a thirty percent cut and this and that. I'm like, but I don't fucking care, man. Like, I don't want to sell yeah. a ticket for fifteen dollars and you know force it. Or like you said, out of pocket, which is usually a thing. Um, and how, these kids can't afford that. So I don't know. I I hope there's a solution the eventually. Scenes, uh, the best scenes just uh, don't have trust issues. Mm. That's what I call it. Mm-hmm. You know, if if you're a band in in my community and and you're working hard and you you think you can draw some people, we just do a show. Um, 
what happened was, you know, a lot of folks kind of started this thing where, uh, you know, that's the promoter's job. Well, then the promoter gets to choose who he books. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I speak a lot about leverage and, and it went in, this is true across all disciplines in business or art or what have you. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if you're an artist and you want an art showing, but you don't have any empirical evidence that you are going to get people to come there and perhaps even purchase one of your pieces from that studio that's paying rent and utilities and, 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 uh, you know, people to run the place. Um, and they could get a commission from that painting. You just don't have leverage. Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean your art is worthless. Mm -hmm. It means you have to build up some sort of like empirical data to, to suggest that you're a viable investment. So take that across to bands. None of these, no band in my estimation, I have a very broad and forgiving ear. I, I really do try to find great things and everything. It's, it's how I found a lot of stuff for my label early on. I mm-hmm. would hear flashes of brilliance and, and, and cool parts that I was like, wow, this is going to be bigger than this label right now, mm-hmm. you know, is. And, and later on, I'll, I'll, I'll be grateful for having seen, you know, I'll be maybe even uh, it'll be recognized that I saw something in a band before they became the greatest thing they were capable of. Mm-hmm. But the same thing happens with uh, with the venue. I can love a band and really want to do them, but there's nobody there. Now let's stick, let's get a really get into like why else that matters. It's it's not merely the dollars, okay? Every mm-hmm. time somebody brings up dollars in art, we feel like someone just stabbed our passion in the gut, you know? Yeah. Um, that's not what we're doing it for. At all. Not the point. You know, if you can't draw at the champ, I'd say if you if you don't think you can bring 15 people, that's cool. It doesn't mean you suck. I want to expand on that. Mm-hmm. Open your practice space or your basement. Mm-hmm. Invite everyone over for free. Build them up. Let them see what they what they would be backing or investing in. In indie mm-hmm. music, you're almost like a you're an investor. Mm-hmm. You're like your heart and soul is in this when you like a band. You know, I've mm-hmm. loved shows with 11 people in the room. But yeah. I've also empathized with the owner, the promoter. Who, yeah, who everybody's involved. Show. Mm-hmm. The production costs money, the rent costs money, the staff costs money. So mm-hmm. saying that, open up your practice space, put on a free show. Maybe you can rent one of those halls. Exactly. Start there and yeah. see what you can do. I'm not discouraging people from playing anywhere but through me. I'm just explaining to them that – it's not financially feasible to fund art. Mm-hmm. I, I wish I could. I, I wish I could. Yeah. I exclusively just say it doesn't matter. I wish I was independently wealthy. Then I could say I'm just going to put on good music. Mm-hmm. Whoever comes, comes. And whoever doesn't, missed out. And there's a perfect um, example the, of that too. With real um, quick, George, the other important part, really important, mm-hmm. is why do you want to play a show? I'm going to ask you a question. Flip it. I want to play a question, or I want to, I want to play a question. I want to play a show due to the passion that I have for playing. It has nothing to do um, with me personally. With like, I would like to make a career and a living out of it for sure. Um, that would eventually take time, as you know. Like I've been doing this for a very long time. But if I'm playing a show and everybody's enjoying themselves, they're enjoying the music, they're enjoying the message. They, they, it gets them away from their daily stress or whatever, and they can connect with that song. However, it may be like people mm-hmm. could take songs in general and completely just take it out of context and just relate it to them specifically. That's great, dude. Like that's what we're supposed to be doing. That to me, that's my job. My job is to make sure that 
everybody's having a good time. We're running great music and we're surrounding ourselves in a community to support each other. That's why I do it. I mean, there are other ways of people doing it for, I don't know, the fame, the money, the drugs. I don't know. But that's that's mm-hmm. personally why I do it. And Well, that's the number one reason, right? To have fun. Remember, you love this. Mm-hmm. I say that a lot, right? Yeah. Remember, you love this. Um, and, and secondarily, when you said I'd also really enjoy a career in it or for it to be able to, you know, cover my, my, my personal expenses, that mm-hmm. would be great too. Mm-hmm. But the only way for that to happen is to make people aware. So the secondary reason for playing a show, other than the fact that you love it, I think that is really, really important is eyeballs and ears. Mm-hmm. And if there are no eyeballs and ears in the room, you're the tree that fell in the forest. Correct. Yeah. And and that is what I think most promoters fail to also appreciate. It's it's not about simply how much cash you can bring in. Yes. Yeah. If you have a twenty thousand dollar guarantee and you're beating the crap out of me to open that show, I might get an ass grass or cash attitude. <laughs> I, I I'm going to have to fight to the death to get you added to this through the band's management and, and the club and, and the staffing. Right. So you got to bring something to the table so I can say, but they did this. Right. Mm-hmm. But, but that's totally different. Let's talk about regular, you know, 40 to 150 person shows, things of that nature. You need people there to discover you. So what mm-hmm. I view it as Build that relationship. three or four or five bands Everybody does their part. Now you can trust each other. Mm-hmm. So 15 people came to see band one, 15 came to see band two, 15 came to see band three. You're all playing in front of 45 people and you all have an honest shot. Yep. So if you're really that good and you're really that special and you really are that passionate, there'll be people there to understand, appreciate and accept that and want more. That's the problem that I intrinsically have there are a lot of folks out there that want a checklist of where they've played mm-hmm. oh, i've played asbury lane so i've played chameleon club it's a good I've resume played, yeah you know try to build that that's up. cool but when you look when you take an honest look an honest assessment at what that meant for you if you didn't bring anybody and none of the other bands the whole trust network <clears> broke <throat> down and nobody did shit that show really doesn't matter. No, it doesn't. And it's it's a... like singing in the shower. <laughs> like nobody's hearing you anyways besides yourself. It doesn't matter. But there's a perfect example with that. When um, you had the 10th anniversary of Launch Music uh, Conference in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, there was a gentleman. Um, there was You did the anniversary for August Burns Red. Um, there was a fan there that actually, I think... Um, uh, Jake or JB said something on the microphone. I can't remember, but he has been to every ABR show in that area since they started in the basement. Like that's a perfect example of like, th- that's where it all has to start. And they recognize them. And like, that's a, that's a relationship right there. But I mean, you, you got to start out, like you said, bringing your friends in and seeing if you can pull those eyes and ears. And like, once you can kind of make that connection, yeah, start reaching out to other gigs and stuff, but and it's just a sh- the friends of the other bands. Yeah, and that too. Promoter was able to convince to come to the show as well. They're, they also have to be involved. Um, let's August Burns Red. There, there's, I, I've never witnessed a band that says, as uh, for, sorry to any other band I'm not aware of, that appreciates <laughs> their fans more and that stewards the, that relationship more than mm-hmm. August Burns Red. And that was something in their DNA from the very earliest beginnings, even on CI is the community just really honest and good guys. Has that community been the same throughout the years? I mean, you've worked with them, you've signed them, you've let them 
go and watch them fly and spread their wings. So I mean, there's a lot of um, there's a lot of what's been going on going on in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. There's been other metalcore bands that build that community. But um, did you? Oh, what did I just say? Did you actually? Um, did, Is that how it's been from the beginning? Yeah, the community. Like, has it been that well put together? Uh, it's been my goal since a young teenager mm-hmm. to always make it uh, the literal generic term scene. You know, a community. Uh, I even think up through the champ, um, when we ultimately had to close doors, you know, I couldn't believe this guy let us do it there as long as he did. It was like an elevator company at the bottom of a dirt road with a warehouse. And he, I, I, you know, he may not have been the nicest gentleman in the world and he may have handled tripling the rent with one month's notice poorly, but, uh, (laughs) he definitely let us do it for a long time. And there aren't a lot of people that would do that, but the, the greatest compliment or the most moving statements made to me were from the parents that said, you know, my kid had somewhere to go every weekend and he fit in. Yeah. That's fucking cool. They didn't didn't have any uh, misgivings about going to the champ the way they may have about going to that 16th birthday party or going to the dance or going to the mall. They felt like uh, you welcomed all comers. Mm -hmm. That is a scene to me. Mm -hmm. And this community in Lancaster has had a very broad uh, level of success across all genres. Mm -hmm. And yet, if you recognize it, all those people know each other. Mm-hmm. And it's not that different from those at the top, you know? No, absolutely. Blake Shelton and Jay-Z can have a drink because what do they have in common? They're super fucking famous. Yep, they're successful. And, yeah. and they're very, very good at their craft, <clears throat> the high art portion of their craft. Mm-hmm. Well, that's how it should be in, in music communities in general, in my opinion. That's the optimal thing. So not only did we have this incredible scene, but it wasn't just a metalcore scene. It was just a music scene. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a lot of how ABR, Texas in July, and bands that played that genre or this or the apocalypse were actually able – they were able to normalize liking their bands. Mm-hmm. And that has really rippled across the globe now, mm-hmm. especially for August Burns Red. Mm-hmm. You have people that like – this is the only metal band I like. You know, I think that that does come from you know the vibes that are thrown out in strong music communities, uh, diverse and open music communities like Lancaster. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because when bands are like in the middle of nowhere, like I just say this all the time, like say in the middle of Arkansas, there's really probably not a scene out there. You're going to have to try your best to also get out into other scenes within the area. Like Jersey's a huge scene and Philly's a huge scene. So thankfully I'm like right in between the middle of both. So I use that to my advantage over the years of drumming and just joining different bands. Um, however, Lancaster just, you felt that that warm family-like community that it's just people just enjoyed each other, enjoy the music, or enjoy other things in the in, like within the community, like the, the local shops or an old classic theater. Like it's a gorgeous town. Um, people are yeah. completely, you know, just upbeat and stuff. So um, and Backburner kind of shed a light on that, uh, or oh, Barn well, Burner, excuse the me, Barn Burner. Yeah, yeah. Backburner is a great song. <laughs> yeah, the Backburner is a great song, but I keep forgetting that yeah, they well, changed the title real quick. That. You see what we did there? Yeah. But, Fuck. The Barnburner movie that we made was just about the unlikeliness that out of this uh, historically religious community, a lot of Amish and Mennonite and Blue Bloods there, and and then, uh, you know, going into like maybe those that left the old orders but were still very conservative and in mindset and religion. How how'd all this angry, quote unquote, angry and screaming loud music come out of barns and back roads of Lancaster County? I mean, mm-hmm. Lancaster City's Austin. The county's Texas. Like mm-hmm. we're talking, this is this is very conservative in this area. Um, so 
it was made sense to be able to play in Lancaster City, but why are these people coming from Mannheim and uh, Ephrata and these small communities outside Lidditz and stuff? Well, it's in the movie tries to deal with how that relates to like our whole history and upbringing in Lancaster over generations. And and to shorten to to surmise that, I would just say it's in our blood. We we don't recognize it. We we do something. We try to do it the best we possibly can, work our butts off, mm-hmm. and don't sweat the outcome. Mm. Like uh, it, the the achievement is in completing the task to the best of your ability. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I think that really is derided from our old school Pennsylvania Dutch kind of work ethic, and mm-hmm. that's what the movie deals with. And it tries to also recognize some of the globally renowned greats in the genre from here, mm-hmm. but it deals a lot with the backstory of like uh, the feeling of ev- all artists were, equi- were equitable. Everything was, was even for years and years and years. Now there's an undeniable um, success for some of those artists that I mentioned mm-hmm. that's disparate from, you know, the local bands that they grew up playing with and hanging out with. But that scene was, was very tight and uh, supportive and uh, people were unapologetic for doing a good job. Mm-hmm. It's, it's hard for me to explain it beyond that without you watching the movie. It's mm-hmm. a pretty cool movie. Yeah, this is a really great movie. I dig the browse a little bit, um, but it's just one of those things I'm going to go over and rewatch. This was a couple of years ago. Actually, when you guys released it with Barnburner, um, uh, debuted it at launch. Debuted at launch, yeah. So that was the first time I checked it out, so it was pretty cool. Um, like, what made you... Like as an A and R, a founder of a record company, and you do more than that at CI. It's booking, it's um, PR, it's marketing, management, management yeah. everything. It's the whole, it's a whole, the whole ordeal. Um, what was like? What is always like that main thing you're looking for these bands? Because you've had bands like Carousel Kings uh, that just have that great sound you have, and they're still killing in the industry. August Burns Red, Texas in July. I can keep going on. This for the apocalypse. Like, what is like? What's like the first thing that comes to your mind? Like, that's a band I want to work with for a little bit for a long period of time. Well, one uh, misconception is that all the bands on CI are from here. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're not. You know, mm-hmm. Pink Spiders were from Nashville, Tennessee. The Pavers, who's a singer of all, you know, Scott Reynolds, were from mm-hmm. Buffalo, and Sensefield, one of my all-time faves, the guy that sang or further seems forever for a while as well. They were from LA. Mm-hmm. So I always tried to find, look, CI is my jukebox. Mm-hmm. I've said it all, all along. It's my playlist. Fuck like yeah, dude. there isn't a band on CI that I don't unashamedly rock out to almost every day. Mm-hmm. Like, and that's facts. Like Poeta, I mean, like they're a pretty good the band. It's, I think I, I'm not kidding. When I, when I expressed an interest in Poeta because <laughs> I wanted to live vicariously through the talent and music that I heard. Mm-hmm. No, and that can apply it. to like, you know, an indie rock band, a, a screaming hardcore punk band, mm-hmm. like uh, a metalcore band, a, an ambient noisy kind of band like Jonah's One Line Drawing or mm-hmm. a folk, you know, mm-hmm. band like Woodsman's Babe. Those those records speak to me. So there is that it, it is really fun in that regard. It really is like curating your own you know, playlist, yeah. um, curating art, um, but also there are times because you recognize that your label's not Warner brothers that you may have to recognize uh, greatness in somebody early mm-hmm. in order to kind of give them that chance to be heard and evolve and grow before they cash it in. So JB uh, from August Burns Red worked at my, my record store mm-hmm. on weekends uh, for a couple of maybe three years. He was uh, 19, 20 years old. 
And uh, he was putting on a couple shows at a local fire hall. We were doing shows at Chameleon. Everything was was great. Um, and then he brought in like a demo from his band, and I was I, I was blown away. I, yeah. I'm not going to say by today's standards. Of course, the band has evolved. It's we're talking <laughs> like 15 years ago. Right? Yeah, they're worldwide right. renowned, man. So I mean, it's, right. it's different now. So of course, you should get better, and I expected mm-hmm. that. But I remember I I, I said it uh, several other times to people like, if you're as good now, if you're this good now, you're going to be one of the biggest. There, I have no doubt. Mm-hmm. It was nice to be right about that. Not only that, <laughs> that's just out of vanity, um, or or even like you know being assured or confirmed professionally. It's just I really like the guys. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I really, really felt that they were good people who deserved uh, the best chance. Mm-hmm. So I'm really thrilled. I mean, proud beyond belief. Yeah, uh, absolutely. For their success. And it's going to keep growing, especially with your other bands, too. I mean, everybody's doing big things. I mean, when um, Carousel Kings signed to Victory Records, they were all over, you know, the Internet. So the it seemed like they were getting a pretty good deal in marketing because they were just, like, everywhere. Um, they Had played more tour plan- Yeah, uh, I forget his name. Something <laughs> something John John Wick or something. I don't know. I <laughs> can't remember right. his fucking name. He sounds like an all right guy. But um, yeah. they uh, like also really humble dudes. Like I met them at launch in 2010, or uh, excuse me, 2010, the 10th anniversary, which was back mm-hmm. in 2016, 17. Um, mm-hmm. But everybody seems like you know they um, they have that passion for it. So thankfully, it's one of those things that you could also know what these bands have the talent, but also recognize their passion for it. And you know they're going to go out there and strive for something greater than what they have now. It's a great point, and it's you know broadening it out past uh, those bands. Um, there, there is an intangible in all of us. I, when we when we think about launch or similarly styled events, I, I know at launch I, I've made remarks in the past about like I think twenty percent of the people come here to find out this isn't for them. Hmm. And what I mean by that is you know you do have to have a certain level of passion and perhaps an interest in some, you know, business acumen, you Mm. might have to figure out how to get from point A to point B without a cash infusion. You might have to figure out like I did when I was a kid, how to feed nine guys with five bucks. Ramen, man. For that, by the way, (laughs) (laughs) pine pine of cream, four pounds of pasta, a loaf of 69 cent bread. Jesus Christ. And a jar of $2 uh, spaghetti sauce. That's a budget. Wow. (laughs) Write that down, people. I'm writing that down when I go on tour. Fuck. Tour tips. Tour tips. One hundred one. Squatting days. But <laughs> I, I would say that um, it's important to recognize, honestly, like everybody loves the statement, "I want this. I'm all in. I need this. I work so hard." Okay, but there are some things you. What, what would you swap out? Right. Mm-hmm. What would you give up in your personal life mm-hmm. for the opportunity to explore your passion? Mm-hmm. And that's not for everyone. Mm-hmm. And there are no judgments. Mm-hmm. All we all want is honesty. Mm-hmm. So when when you talk about the bands that I've really thrown my heart and soul into and been very gratified by their their various levels of success, um, it's because they were the the, the total package. I knew that they could be long suffering and find a way to enjoy it. I knew that they could succeed without being a prick. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, who actually want to put their head down and not expect anything to happen. Yeah. Right. Yeah, because like I, I would always meet up with these bands. Um, I mean, I played in, in different types of bands, punk rock, pop punk, metalcore. Um, I knew there was an expiration date 
for sure. I mean, there'd be a point in time I was like, this is not going to go out. Like, this is this is probably going to be the last stop for what I'm doing with this band right now. So when I would, like, introduce myself to other bands, um, I would try to give my experience and stuff. And I would make that, I would ask those questions. And if the hesitation was there, I would automatically walk away as, like, hey, do you want to have a career in this? Yeah, sure. Okay, well, do you want to starve? Do you want to be broke? Do you want to work four different jobs? Like, and then you, I would see them kind of like, be like, why is this guy talking about? I'm like, no, you're not ready. You're obviously not ready. Like, it's just one of those things that, like you said, you have to make those sacrifices in order to what you really want to pursue with it. Um, well, we all love those stories. We all love the story of the guy who got up at 4 a.m. and, and punched a, you know, a side of beef and then drank 12 eggs and ran around the neighborhood mm-hmm. and, you know, the old man in the neighborhood gave him the thumbs up every morning at seven <laughs> when he was on his 12th mile. And then he went home and he worked his job till 11 p.m. And then he did a thousand push ups. And we're like, yes. Yeah. Yes, Let's right? go. Well, what the fuck, man? Why is music any different? It's not. I it's mean, exactly the, the same component thing. The component is obviously you have to be awesome. Mm-hmm, awesome That's true. Your craft. Correct. You have to have an awesome uh, song written and you have to have an amazing performance. Mm-hmm. that's the part that I think should kind of be the easy part to throw yourself into the work. Yeah. But you cannot deceive people because you will always have a story of someone who had to do almost nothing and became famous. Mm-hmm. That will always exist. Mm-hmm. You will also always hear some urban legend about your cousin's uncle's sister's boss's nephew at work was involved with 30 other people and hit the fucking Powerball. I don't care. <laughs> no, right? good, yeah. That is not, those aren't the odds I want to buy into. Mm -hmm. I want people who want to affect their own change in Mm -hmm. their career. Um, And that is critical. So I will not lie to people Mm -hmm. or allow them to lie to themselves Mm -hmm. about how hard they've worked. Mm -hmm. It shouldn't be hard work if you love it anyway. That is true. Yeah, it's all good work. Various levels of stress throughout planning launch, releasing records on CI, running some retail and mail order, managing a band, running a print shop, uh, putting on concerts. But it's the kind of stress that I feel grateful to have. Mm-hmm. That's how you have to feel about your uh, your craft. That, that's my opinion. And I want to go back to launch uh, after a couple of uh things i want to bring up but i i like you said i was taught from this since the day i was like 13 years old learning how to play drums with my mentor there's the music and there's the music business they have nothing to do with each other and you have to master both crafts in order to succeed and it's like i have a pet peeve with i've played shows for i'm, I'm in my tw- late 20s now so for the past 10, 12 years, there were some shows where people would like get so upset playing live, like, oh, there's not that many people coming out, there's, there, we should, you know, we're supposed to be supporting each other, blah, 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 look, like, I get that there's frustration there, but take a step back, and this is just my opinion, and I don't know how you feel about it, but just take a step back and take advantage of, like, what you just experienced and learned, like, it's, first of all, it's okay to fail, second of all, take from what that was and rework your band or, or, or rework your music. Like find something different. Don't sit there and be like, well, everybody should really like my band. Cause my friends, you know, they should support me. Like, no, nobody has an obligation to do that. So I don't know what your opinion is on that, but that's just how I personally feel like growing up and experiencing all of this. I think it's important to tune all of it out. Uh, the negative stuff. I think that of course, when the rubber hits the road and it's go time and you're on stage, I, I better see you slaying mm-hmm. in front of three people. Mm-hmm. I don't care. Exactly. But to, uh, there's, there's no health 
it's not a healthy approach to do either, to walk off stage and say that was an amazing show without recognizing where there was room for improvement, namely mm. in draw, right? And mm -hmm. promotion. Mm -hmm. Or And if you blame the promoter, then don't work with that promoter again. Yeah, Whatever exactly. you're going to do to assess and assign blame, by God, like don't keep walking into a closed <laughs> door and saying the next time I'm not going to smash my nose, it's going to open this time. Yeah. So, you you know, all of these That's things are distractions. They're all distractions. They're all excuses. They're all, they're all, they're really kind of generic to me. Mm -hmm. um, you can have a packed house and have some critiques about your live show or the execution of the songs. You can have an empty house, have put on a perfect live show and be very proud of that, but maybe uh, have a, a, a discussion to assess, like, uh, how can we get more people out? What, what What is our part in this? Is it not working with that promoter again? Are we being honest with ourselves also about how hard we worked, how mm -hmm. many stones we owned, unturned, overturned to get people out? So that's the part of the business acumen. Mm -hmm. um, that I think people really need to recognize is it's just those, you know, come to Jesus, honest assessments of like how things are going and, and also wrecking, like trying to figure out how to improve upon all things at once. Now mm -hmm. you can say a manager can help me with that or a booking agent. Okay. Um, but nobody can turn a rock into a gold nugget. You know, if, if you, your music might be gold, but your renown is just a common stone, right? So mm -hmm. how, how can you say, well, like now I have a manager, now it's on them. I also think that it's critical that people, when they use this term team, they actually mean it. Mm -hmm. um, everybody exactly. on the team, every single person is going hard. You know, there's a simple question I have for uh, every promoter and uh would be music industry professional and or artist out there. And that is, do you wake up every morning and take five minutes or less to devote to your career development? Mm -hmm. Meaning, do you post something on your socials that's compelling? Are you thinking about your role as an industry person? Mm -hmm. Do you wake up a bass player or do you wake up a bartender? Do you yeah. wake up a drummer? Or do you wake up a waiter? Do you wake up a singer? Or do you wake up a Staples copy center clerk? Mm -hmm. And I want people to honestly answer that. When you self-identify as a musician, when you identify as a manager, when you identify as a promoter, it does not stop there. Nope. Then you actually have to endeavor to be those things yeah you have more problems than you had before honestly so it's like you have to really be on top yeah. of everything at a certain time because now this is turning into your career um and it's, it's it's great too because i want to kind of circle back to launch everything that uh launch includes with like if people aren't familiar with it i'm would be surprised if they're not um uh, it's it's hosted lancaster pa jeremy uh has founded that and has done that over the past 12 years um and you've had if not thousands of bands come through uh, to play the festival conference, as well as industry professionals to talk to the music business. And when you said 20% of these people on like when they come to launch, they don't, they don't think it's for them. And like that probably is a the music. Ex yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And they, that's an experience for them to be like, Oh, maybe this isn't for me. And like, but that's okay. Like, it's just, you know, it's not for everybody, but it gives you those pinpoint, um, those pinpoint truths and like detail oriented uh, opportunities that you can make for yourself. But like 
that that's the education that the conference is is, is uh, bringing out for everybody. So, I mean, how did that how did that come co- concept come up to you? Like, when did you first look into the that? first few years? I had a guy named Rick Ad in Harrisburg who was a good friend of mine. He was also a promoter and a manager, and he also ran an indie label. And mm-hmm. we would commiserate with each other about how many folks in the in the region, those two counties, um, Harrisburg and Lancaster, are pretty close. Uh, how many people would ask us for advice, right? And then a lot of times we'd spend a little bit of time complaining because someone would ask you for advice. You'd give them an honest assessment. You'd give them some practices to employ. And then they would say, but we've always done it this way and not take your advice anyway. So you just spent like 45 minutes donating some time and and relative experience to to somebody who who really just wanted to, you know, kind of have a sesh and feel like they did something in business today. But (laughs) it's not just that, right? It's that we can't be the only two opinions. And then we we, were just chatting and we're like, okay, well, why aren't, why aren't we bringing in the people that we ask advice of? Yeah, for sure. Everyone in the industry is asking for advice, contacts, tips, best practices. How did you get this done with ice nine kills? Mike, how did you do this on reverb blue and so forth and so on. So, Hey, let's, let's have them here. That was all at the same time that the amazingly, world-renowned, humongous South by Southwest had exploded into a veritable television network. Mm -hmm. But we recognized there would be a void for those of us who aren't, you know, up that ladder so high. Mm -hmm. Um, Let's try to put something together that, you know, we don't have to charge to cover all of that, you know, 600 bucks a badge. We, We have an area that's inexpensive to travel to or fly into mm-hmm. we're situated between major cities but rather than boring you about all those considerations i just want to give you a little taste of, of, of the business side of it as well mm-hmm. and, and why we felt there was a need for something like this mm-hmm. it was essentially to tell the truth we we've been to similarly styled events i'd spoken at a bunch of them and um what i came out with was i felt uh, a little dishonest uh, because i was telling people like the things that i felt they needed to take an inventory of their passion and their talents and really be honest with themselves about whether or not a career in music was for them, whether it was behind the scenes or on stage. Um, but a lot of folks at these things kind of, they were operating more as like fantasy camps and fantasy camps in baseball are where like pay a few thousand bucks and some hall of famer will throw you a 30 mile per hour fastball. You'll hit it out of the infield. And then three other famous players on your team, that you grew up loving will come up and hug you and say, you got a great swing. That's fantasy. right? (laughs) You paid for it. And it's probably awesome. It's an experience. Probably do it someday. Like, like a pathetic old man. Right. (laughs) um, Cause I'll need it. But we all will. I didn't, I don't want that. I don't, I don't want to see, you know, the same band uh, do nothing year round and only come back to this one event and have the same 30 or 20 music professionals tell them how great and talented they are. And then they go back and they work Monday morning at their regular job. I I wasn't interested in that. I think there are ways there are workarounds. People most often have to have a a source of revenue to uh, fuel their passion. I don't Mm -hmm. care if you're saving to open a restaurant, a gym or start a band. Mm -hmm. I'm not knocking that at all. Mm -hmm. But what I am saying is I don't think there was a total honesty there. Like you got credit for attending. So you already were, were graded on a curve. And I wanted an event that didn't do that. Mm -hmm. I wanted an event that would tell you the truth Mm -hmm. about here's what you're doing. Great. Here's what I think you're not doing so well. Here's where you need to improve. Most importantly, here's how. 
Here's how. And that, and I don't mean work your socials, go on tour. No, no, no. No, no, no. How? How are you doing that? Yeah. But that's the constructive criticism that everybody brings to that. And that's what these industry – that's what these, these uh, musicians need and these bands need or these artists, um, which is why I was so like – uh, involved with it like from the first time we signed with you guys and then we went to our first launch um, which was the ninth anniversary um, but that constructive criticism is necessary you have industry people from the example Fearless Records or Kevin Lyman comes by I mean the lineup is stacked and that's your opportunity right there even um, I can't remember her name it's, it's frustrating to me but Zoo Tunes comes out she's a great vocal yeah. coach and Zoo Smith yeah, yeah Zoo Smith dude she's fantastic so there is so many opportunities to kind of get that constructive criticism, mm -hmm. get an education, and implement and something it. Something to employ, yes. Yeah, implement it. Like, so come important. on. Look, look. Uh, Shaquille O'Neal couldn't shoot free throws. Are you <laughs> going to sit here and tell me he wasn't a great basketball player? No, he was the, one of the best. Dude, he actually had a video. <laughs> His but, son. Wait, does he reserve the right to tell us you don't get to criticize my foul shooting? No, not at all. No, people are no. trying to give him an honest thing. Like, what else can you improve on? What, what's your Jack story? I want to know. He, uh, his son posted something on TikTok, which I know you're a huge influencer on. I'm, so, I'm yeah. waiting for you to go famous with that. Um, he posted a video. He's like, his dad got a new boat, and he said that he named it. Um, uh, oh my god, that's gonna piss me off. Like this, like the sinker or something, because he can't make one or something. Like, I was oh, like that's oh, fucked oh, up, that's dude. Hilarious. Like, he's definitely roasting his dad. Even his yeah. son is criticizing his free throws, dude. <laughs> oh, he said he named the boat free throw because the boat can't oh. sink because he can't sink one. I was like, that's savage, man. These that's kids, hilarious, dude. actually. These kids that's are amazing. These kids are bad, but like implementing <laughs> everything that we get from launch, that is just something that you don't get anywhere i mean like you can definitely do your research on the internet and and tune into um i don't know like previously recorded videos and content but you're actually physically sometimes one-on-one -on -one with these opportunities that you give um the musicians and artists or industry related professionals such as booking agents everybody's there um professional and underground so that's just something that i don't think i've ever seen that done before i know scran pa does a little bit they're not as yeah. um prominent as, as the one in lancaster but if you're seriously into the music industry and you want to take it to the next level with whatever it may be, I, I just strongly suggest doing it. It's just, damn, like, I think it's what, like 60 bucks for a weekend pass? That's gold for that's that kind of education. The last minute, yeah. The, the yeah. thing we're proud of is every submitted artist, every artist who submitted to perform is given a badge. So if you're mm -hmm. a six-piece band, you, you, don't, you don't pay. Mm -hmm. You just get your ass here. Yep. Whether you're placed to perform or not. So we've, we take in thousands of submissions. We offer every single artist in every one of those bands a pass. And, and what makes you decide on the band that submits? Like, what makes you decide on that? Uh, uh, as far as uh, who gets placed to play, correct? Yeah. about 175 of those several thousand submitted artists. Mm -hmm. um, so there's a board of eight, and mm -hmm. it goes through a five-week process of several sets of ears and eyes wow. watching video content listening to bands and it's almost like an ncaa bracket and you feel terrible because if you have like two folk stages and there are 16 spots total for that uh you know way of playing music there might be 18 really good ones and then you'll have you know like the bubble team you know like yeah the exactly that, the artist that you really thought deserved it but it was just got edged out by like you know half a point you know so yeah those artists also often find themselves playing because as you can imagine, if you're open submissions in uh, September or October and the event is the following April, 
you're uh, going to have groups that, you know, submitted that were placed that aren't even groups anymore or people mm. that plans changed. So we always tell people just because you heard a placement letter went out and you didn't receive one yet, settle down, right? Because there's a whole rank and order to the whole thing. Um, mm -hmm. I think it's critical that, you know, we continue our mission to admit artists. If I submitted for performance consideration and I was not placed to perform, how cool is it that I get to go there for free? And right, exactly. And find out why. Mm -hmm. Why did I fall short of that goal? Mm -hmm. I think that's a really powerful message from Launch, and I'm very proud of that part. Especially um, as far as industry professionals, they're, they're coming from all over the country, and they are donating their time and expertise. They are not mm -hmm. compensated for travel. They are not. Wow. Are no, uh, it's most favored nations. There are no mm -hmm. keynotes. Where mm -hmm. can you meet 50 people from the industry in one place, in mm -hmm. one weekend? If mm -hmm. you, even if you caught a meeting with each one of them individually, if you were that adept and that persistent, you'd have to travel to each one of them. Mm -hmm. I, I mean, think about it. That and is you're losing money on experience. it. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, and there's a session that you guys do as well where uh, bands can submit their tunes or CD or whatever. And through the panelists, you guys would kind of go over and, and have the constructive criticism within the songs to play it live. It's like it, it's not anonymous, but you know, like they're not. I don't think they're going to announce themselves in the crowd unless they want to. But um, it's a it's a great tool to like kind of learn and understand like what is the next step for you to get better. So I, it's fun. It's a win win. A little raw, but it's called Can yeah. You Handle the Truth, and it's the only panel that is repeated every year since year one. Mm -hmm. Obviously, subject matter and demands of the industry are reassessed, and what's most helpful and practical for people. We change panels, topics up, but that one stays. Mm -hmm. So a band submits a song, it's played, it's publicly evaluated. Sometimes they're eviscerated by somebody mm -hmm. that they really wanted their opinion. Uh, but <laughs> what's cool is at the end, they are announced, they stand up, everybody applauds them. And hopefully, even when they're sharply critiqued, the idea is genuine. It, 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 it can be comedic at times, too. You have to be in good, you have to be... And, you know, really able to laugh at yourself a little bit. To enter oh, that. for sure. I do yeah. think at, in the end, it's a lot of, I will promise you, many groups have come back and said they were right and I did it different and we changed this and that and we're doing better. That's like mm -hmm. the best news in the world. Yeah. yeah, and you just take that with a grain of salt. You take it, take advantage of it. Um, if yeah. if you can, if you can take that kind of criticism, you're already doing the right thing. There's plenty of things to do. Um, and you had the tenth anniversary was huge. You had uh, August Burns Reg come out for their anniversary. Um, you had the guys from Under Oath. You had Spencer and um, yes. yep. uh, for an acoustic show at the Chameleon Club. So that was Spencer great. Spencer and Aaron Lepsey. did their first ever yeah. together. Yeah. yeah, it was incredible. Dude. It was such a lineup. Um, how, like, what goes into, I know you still have, like, a really healthy relationship with JB and the rest of the guys from ABR, but did, did you guys come up with, like, who came up with that kind of idea? Was it them they reached out to you? Because, I mean, it just, it worked. And I want to talk about Christmas Bros. Red, too, because that was also a huge hit at the hotel. Well, I booked, uh, the ABR show as part, to celebrate the 10th anniversary of launch. And then JB and Brent came back and said, hey, actually... It also happens to be the 15th anniversary of us as a band. And I was like, oh, that is delicious. I love a celebration. <laughs> so we were able to put on that show. I think everybody had cake. Turning point. I've been putting on Christmas shows with August Burns Red. I have personally been putting on Christmas shows since 1995. Mm -hmm. The first CI Christmas show 
a band called Shelter headlined. It's a singer of a hardcore band, Shelter and Youth of Today. Really old. Um, but the the second band was like the singer's wife's band. They were on EVR years ago called Baby Go Paul. Why mm-hmm. am I explaining this? Because the third band was a band that was trying to develop in our area out of Kansas that I loved called Get Up Kids. Mm-hmm. So I gave them 50 bucks to open this sold-out show. Shelter, I knew, would sell out. At the time, they were humongous. They were on tour with Goldfinger, and no doubt, they were came out of the hardcore punk scene, but they were having some pop success. Um, and I loved them. I was very good friends with the the singer, Ray, and I, would, I was also running a record label with him at the time. Okay, so I put it on in 95, and the other opening band, Get Up Kids, said, well, we can, can we bring our friends? We're kind of on tour with someone. And I said, yeah, I'll give them 40 bucks. I didn't know who they were. It was Jimmy Eat World. And then oh, every year we just kept doing Christmas shows. And what's cool is if you look over the flyers, you'll see bands that started down here like a day to remember or Thursday. And then they, you know, over the years, they became the headliners of, of those shows, Norma mm-hmm. Jean or whomever, Jimmy World at the drive-in, blah, blah, blah. So in 2008, August Burns Red played their seven, seven was their first Christmas show. So for CI, so we're talking 12, 13 years later, we're doing a Christmas show. August Burns Red plays in the bottom middle of the lineup. Long story short, they uh, drew a lot of people. So the following year, I said, hey, we'll put on two Christmas shows. There'll be CI Christmas Show 1, CI Christmas Show 2. That became the August Burns Red and CI Annual Christmas Show. So Hmm. I started putting on two ever since. Well, after the success of the 10th anniversary of launch and the 15th anniversary as a band, we went back and we did back-to-back club nights again for the Christmas show. And then we really started saying, hey, you know what? What if we went back to the convention center? What if we turn this into what it really is meant to be? Because look, if you're selling 1,600 tickets over two days, we started getting a lot of people saying, God, I can't get in, you know, selling out very quickly. It it started to seem like we weren't really serving the largest population that wanted to come to this show anyway. Mm-hmm. So we started Christmas Burns Red. So CI and August Burns Red uh, partnered, mm-hmm. and we had our inaugural year last year. We invited some great, great bands, you know, Currents and Knock Loose and, and uh, uh. Like Moths to Flames, Miss May I, and uh, Hawk played, uh, Ricky Armelino from Ice Nine Kills, other band. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was amazing. Mm-hmm. We sold it out in the first year. So we're like, Let's just keep doing it. Yeah, we just got to repeat this process. Like, why the fuck not? We did it in a hall that holds 3,000 people. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that Marriott course is huge. We some really exciting announcements. We may be peaking too early, but I'll just leave it at this. We're going to expand to a 5,000 capacity venue. It it is. It needs to be. Hey, listen. Uh, as everybody else is who's going to be there and appreciate the celebration, everybody's getting a piece of cake. Everybody's going to fucking enjoy that show. Oh my god, that's crazy! Yeah, because I I was there for the tenth anniversary and like uh, and the fifteenth anniversary of August Burns Red. They brought up their old vocalist. They brought up, you know, they went through their old times. Like it was just such a, it was a perfect storm. Everything just came through Amazing. so perfectly. And the twelfth, a very unique show. That was the only show of its kind like that. You know, mm-hmm. yeah. And the twelfth anniversary, yeah, you have a good lineup yeah. too. Uh, Hatebreed is on this year's for the for the lineup. Well, um, no. So let's no. what launch is looking like this year. Okay. So we yeah, for me. Uh, I love hip hop. I I really always have, and I work with a lot of modern hip hop folks. I've had a bunch of them speak at launch. I've had a bunch of them play. I've worked with the New Lane team and PB Rock for a long time. So naturally, I'd heard of Smoke Perp, you know, and 
and uh, his uh, manager came last year to speak at launch. We have smoked perp playing this year. Mm. Launch was to have been at the end of this month. Uh, Freed was to have played May 2nd. You know, the world exploded and we ultimately, after, you know, really trying to wait it out and see where this Corona thing leads, we ultimately did decide, look, we got to push this into deep July. Mm -hmm. Uh, So what does that leave us with? Well, if you follow current news about the virus, you know, lots of people are suggesting it could last forever. I don't 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 know know where this is going to lead. We're going to go into the third week of July. We are we are announced July 23rd to the 26th in, in just an abundance of hope. Mm-hmm. That we can pull through of, the... An abundance of caution that we move the date. Mm-hmm. It's in an abundance of hope that we can actually still physically get together. Mm-hmm. Now, the unfortunate part of that is while we retained the Juliana theory, who's one of the greatest emo indie bands of my lifetime, mm-hmm. a special performance by guys. them, That's and we sick. retained Smoke Perp. Hapri just decided, look, we're not we're not playing anywhere for the rest of the year. Oh, they wow, okay. everything. Yeah, so it is what it is. Yeah, but it is what it is. We're on the 23rd to the 26th, and this year what we've had to do, and maybe this whole thing is making us uh, better, stronger, mm. we are planning a concurrent digital experience mm. through okay. the panels all the way up through the live performances, 11 a.m. to 2 o'clock in the morning. You can mm. sit there and attend launch live from your office or bedroom. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. But we are also concurrently planning the same in-person experience and really, really, really hoping, sincerely hoping that that's going to be possible. Many of our panelists feel the same way. Many, many, many of our submitted and placed to perform artists feel the same way. Even the city feels the same way. Everyone Correct. wants it to work. Mm-hmm. So check it out, George. If we can do in person, hell yeah. And Fuck yeah. still be a digital online component for those who are too broke to travel or a little too spooked to get in their group. If there is no way we can get in person in three plus months, which is kind of a nightmare to me, mm-hmm. um, then <laughs> yeah. we will still have a fully digital rendition of launch and it will be in real time and you will schedule it just like you were going there. We're not doing this thing where you get to watch it when you feel like it that'll come down the road yeah for sure but but we want people to get in the sense that even if you're cooped up and locked in you got to be in the moment so you're going to launch the 24th and 25th that's fantastic you're blocking out that time as if you would be there physically or you're missing it bro Mm -hmm. even if you're doing it digitally that's the way we've decided because we as a human as a human population have to plan and live in moments we can't always just sit there and watch pre-recorded and, Ugh, binge no. and this and that i do it all i do it but, but like I it gets sickening to look forward to yeah it's live and real we don't even have sports we, we were running out of fucking options right. like i don't know what we're doing sports anymore was the last live experience Ugh, that we lost, right? yeah it's on bad. tv like you know i heard some folks are trying to do some of their live shows and i think it's brilliant i, mm-hmm. I know what jimmy fallon jimmy kimmel doing really cool and it, it kind of borrows from that like mm-hmm. You know what? You got to plan to be somewhere, even if you physically are not there. So I hope it's helpful and I hope I'm right. No, you are right. And if anybody's interested, which I highly suggest you doing, go to facebook.com slash the launch music conference. Um, that will be happening. What you said, July 23rd um, to 26th. Yep. Yeah. Regardless if it's live or if it's in person, like it's going to, it's going to happen regardless. So, 
listen, I really appreciate you coming on. We're going to definitely talk about, you know, more stuff in the near future. Like, we'll, we'll, we'll have you on multiple episodes. I have a lot of guests that are coming up. Um, do you have any advice, like one, like strong um, opinion as to or fact that like would help a local band get to that next level, whether it be their content or well, their music? Well, as it stands in the present situation, I would say um, I give them the advice that I try to give myself every single morning when I wake up, which mm-hmm. is keep pushing mm-hmm. uh, in the way that you can. So mm-hmm. if, if there are restrictions right now, I hope that it, 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 it gets all of us to figure out a new way, some new modality to employ, to continue engaging people with our art. And that is a challenge. I'm not just talking about posting. I'm talking about how to, what to, what are we going to pursue? What are we going to pioneer? That is the new way of reaching each other. Should we find ourselves in this situation again, it should make for a really creative process. No one should be despondent. Everyone should be pushing, struggling, digging, trying to figure out how to push and advance their art to a community that is currently sheltering in place, right? So keep writing, keep developing digital content that's engaging, keep engaging people, because this is also a unique time where great ideas are going to come out. If I was uh, going to give every single person exploring any relationship with the industry, one piece of advice, it's no different than any other industry. Okay. Mm-hmm. So your body of work speaks for itself. Stop bragging. Mm-hmm. Nobody cares. Yep. Um, your failures are recognized as, as, as much as your successes are. Don't take it personally. And lastly, don't make freaking excuses. You will be evaluated on your performance and your performance alone. And that is not going to change. And if people are telling you it's not like that, it's art, it's different, I'm sorry. They're blowing smoke up your ass. Do great work and make sure that you cross all your T's and dot all your I's, man. I start listening to this guy. He knows what he's talking about. (laughs) Trust me. I get a lecture all the time. and It just benefits us more and more, plus everything he's been working with, dude. It does. Well, it's it's facts. Yeah. No, I don't (laughs) – well, you suggest things, and as soon as you suggest them, I'm like, I'm just going to start fucking doing this <laughs> like, <laughs> and just move to the next thing. Um, Poetist on the CI Records, Jeremy really takes care of us. We're going to be having a new single out May 1st, uh, Anxious Racing. You can, um, rips, it rips. You can, thank you. It, you can download or you can pre order that uh, on our Facebook page. You can, uh, it's going to come out on May 1st, along with other singles that are going to come out in the near future. But I appreciate your time and all the. Um, all the facts that you've given us and all the information you've given us. So it's really going to benefit this community. I love you too, man. I'm going to be hitting you up in a little bit. All right. Okay. All right, brother. I'll talk to you. Take care.